That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Here's the problem. What do you do when you're disciplining your kids and they make you laugh? It's frustrating. There are many outstanding legal questions for alleged child abuser Ruby Frankie out of Utah. Why didn't she sue anyone accusing her of child abuse? What should we look out for with her husband? Is the Department of Child and Family Services to blame? We get into it all with acclaimed attorney Ben Chu, the man who famously represented Johnny Depp. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. So we are continuing our analysis of this very disturbing Ruby Frankie case out of Utah, the 41-year-old wife and mother of six, who has now been charged with six counts of aggravated child abuse alongside her co-defendant and business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. And one of the reasons this story is being followed by so many people is because Frankie was a popular YouTuber. Yeah, she and her husband, Kevin Frankie, they launched this YouTube channel called Eight Passengers back in 2015. It was all about them as a couple, their children, very popular. It had over 2 million subscribers and it focused on parenting and homeschooling. It was interesting because Frankie and her husband are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she appeared also on these videos with Jody Hildebrandt, who founded a life counseling organization known as Connections, previously known as Moms of Truth. Let's talk about trust. What is trust? Where does trust come in? The principle is I am responsible to be worthy of trust. So I am the one that generates trust. I am the one that generates safety. It comes from me. So if Ruby comes and she interacts with me, I don't look at Ruby and say, oh, is she trustworthy? I'm not looking at her. I'm looking at me and saying, am I honest, responsible, and humble? Am I a safe person? Mm -hmm. And then she is the beneficiary of me being safe and me being full of trust. And all of this came to a head when police were alerted through a 911 phone call about that something was happening at Hildebrandt's residence. 911, the address of your emergency. Tell me exactly what's happened. I just had a 12-year-old boy show up here at my front door asking for help. We know there's been problems at this neighbor's house. He's emaciated. He's got tape around his legs. He's hungry and he's thirsty. And he asked us to call the police. What's so he's name? very afraid. This kid has obviously been... I think he's been... He's been detained. He's been... He's obviously covered in wounds. I mean, we need the cops here as soon as possible. 
Now, according to a probable cause affidavit, Frankie's 12-year-old son climbed out of a window at Hildebrandt's residence, ran to a neighbor asking for food and water. He was reportedly malnourished, emaciated. He had duct tape on his ankles and his wrists. These deep lacerations from being tied up. Just horrific to think about. And when police arrived, they found Frankie's 10-year-old daughter in very similar conditions. So Frankie, Hildebrandt, they were arrested. They were each charged, as I said, with six counts of child abuse. Each count goes up to 15 years in prison. That's the maximum. And there is a lot to digest in this case, including a recent court hearing that was absolutely derailed when the Zoom link was shared online and hundreds of people tried to sign on. We're going to get into that. But I want to bring in right now a very special guest to talk about this case. I'm joined by acclaimed attorney Ben Shu, who famously represented Johnny Depp in his lawsuit against Amber Heard, a case dominated by abuse allegations and what is abuse at the center of it. Ben, it is so good to see you. Now, I would say I haven't seen you in a while, but that would mean that I haven't seen you in person, which is true. I have seen you a lot because I was just binging the Netflix documentary where you are featured prominently. I have to imagine, Ben, that you have been inundated with people writing you and telling you that they saw you. Am I wrong? Jesse, you're right. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's good to see you again. Uh, yes, I, I wasn't aware that was coming out until recently, but yes, it seems to have been uh, got, gotten a lot of a lot of eyes on it. Um. I share that because I didn't realize when it was coming out. And then I just get a million <laughs> texts, messages, all these things. Were you just in the documentary? Were you just in it? Were you just in it? And apparently I was in it. I didn't even, no, I wasn't totally aware, you, you but yeah. You definitely are in it. I, I am in it. I am in it. Um, so Ben, good to see you. Uh, let's talk about this case. Um, I just want to start. We haven't spoken about it. What are your initial thoughts when you heard about this case? As a father of two kids 11 and 12 years old it really makes my blood boil it's just it's uh i, I just did a, a trip a service trip with 23 12 year old boys and girls so i've had a firsthand look at how innocent they still are and the thought of this boy and then his sister being emaciated and 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 mistreated it it, it really it, it it shocks the conscience it really does. And, and and I think there's such an incredible interest in this case. A, if it was just an abuse case even in and of itself, you know, a mom of six doing this, what she's accused of. But the fact that she was this YouTuber and people were suspecting it for a while and were invested in the case, you know a thing or two about high profile cases. And, and I'm going to give you an example here. So as of right now, Frankie and Hildebrandt, they're continue to be held without bail following a hearing from last week. That hearing was delayed when the Zoom link was circulated, I believe, on TikTok, and over a thousand people tried to join this hearing, caused absolute chaos, huge technical problem. It delayed it. The live stream was shut off. Just walk me through why you think there's so much interest in this kind of case. Well, I think you have a, a person who is obviously very popular on social media. She's very physically attractive. You can see, you know, how this would generate in interest. You also have the sensational allegations and, you know, sick children being abused. So I think it's it's natural that there would be a lot of attention to this. And, and frankly, I would think there'd be a lot of outrage as well. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the prosecution of Frankie and Hildebrandt that the public is so invested in this? 
hopefully it won't impact the prosecution at all. I mean, I think they really should play it by the book. In other words, just treat her the way they would treat any other mother who was accused of abusing six children. And, and hopefully they will do that. I know as a practical matter, it's impossible to just close your eyes and, and pretend the cameras aren't there. But as much as you can do that, I think the better off you are. Because if you start playing to the cameras or start thinking too much about the media, I think you're going to take the eye off, you know, your eye off the ball. I mean, Novak Djokovic said yesterday after he won his 24th Grand Slam, that in the last 24 hours before the match, he asked his wife and his family and his supporters not to talk about how much attention there would be to this. And I think the prosecutors should take a leaf from that book. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, You know, on, on another point, they might be saying the more people know about this, maybe they can bring out further evidence that they didn't have, you know, allegations, oh. things like that. And, oh, and I think just, that's important. I, yeah. Right. I think that's going to be important as well. The, the fact that, oh my goodness, look what came to light. Now I, someone might feel comfortable coming forward and say, let me tell you what I saw or heard. That's a great point, Jesse. We have a case right now where the plaintiff had filed as John Doe. And the first thing we did was move the court to identify him. And the moment the court identified him and made him disclose his name, we were inundated with information about this plaintiff, which um, which was very helpful. Now, that, that's a civil case. Obviously, it's very different, but right. I think it would apply even more so, as you said, to a criminal case. I have to ask you about what happened at this hearing. Um, again, because of it completely broke down, I don't think we have video of this, but let me, what the reporting indicates from multiple outlets, apparently Ruby Frankie was crying in court and she made these claims that one of her minor children was sexually abusing their sibling and molested several family members, children in the neighborhood, at least I think 20 people. She claimed that this child abused 20 people. She claimed that two of her children were playing some sort of padding game, didn't go into further detail, talked about how one of the children was watching pornography at a young age. It's it's so shocking. And I'm not sure what that means to her defense or what that means to her case for her to make this kind of claim. I think it's tremendously detrimental to her case. First of all, I mean, she should have, if any of this were true, she should have reported it at the time rather than waiting to be arrested and arraigned. So that's number one, because if that abuse was was going on, that's on her and her husband to the extent that the husband was there. 
which I understand he may not have been. So we, we, we shouldn't impugn him at all right now. But um, that all points the finger at her. And also the fact that she would make <laughs> those allegations against her own children in a public forum. Now, I don't know whether she identified the child, but it wouldn't be hard to figure out since they're, it's a finite universe of six. I think it's terrible for her defense. I think it also shows, it, it doesn't shine a very good light on her character that she would, she would say these things in public, uh, even if true. So the judge said that this child will then need to be placed in a home with no other children in light of these allegations. Again, this is based on the reporting of what happened in that hearing. Um, I'm glad I have you because I wanted to ask you first about that. If this is totally false and this is just a wild outlandish claim, could a minor child have a legal action against a parent like this? Yes, I think so. And I think the, the cause of action would be stayed until that child hits adulthood. So I don't think, the, the not to be too technical about this, but yeah, I think yeah. the child does not have to move uh, with the alacrity that anybody else, that an adult would have to move. I think, I think there's a legal presumption that allows him to, to go to adulthood before the, the, clock, the statute of limitations clock begins to run. But yes, I absolutely do think the child has a cause of action against the mother for defamation and, and for could be, you know, physical battery and all, all kinds of other civil versions of the criminal charges that have been filed. Yeah. Let, 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 before I even get to my next point, I, I guess the, in terms of the victims in this case, there's the criminal aspect, but we always know that there's also a civil aspect. Do you anticipate that is something we should be on the lookout? Children suing Ruby Frankie uh, for this alleged abuse? Absolutely. And again, I think they have the luxury, although luxury may not be the right word, but they have the luxury of waiting. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, oftentimes, as you know, people wait until the, the, the criminal case has been fully adjudicated before filing a civil action or they try to stay the statute of limitations. Here they won't have that issue, but yeah, absolutely. I would anticipate a civil action by the children, but then you get into the issue of, you know, what type of recovery is possible and what kind of assets is she is is Frankie going to have at at the end of the day? I, I know she's a YouTube celebrity, but I think the cost of her criminal defense is going to be such I don't know what kind of assets she's going to have to satisfy a judgment. And remember, I said alleged because I'm very curious to see what can be proven. And this is one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you, Ben, because I am bothered by something. I'm bothered by the fact that people for a while suspected that Frankie was up to no good. There was a change.org petition set up where people signed to have Frankie investigated for allegations of child abuse. They wanted Child Protective Services to get involved. There was criticism of her online. People were making comments about her. She responded to those comments. Police were called to the home last year after they received reports over the well-being of the kids. In fact, Sherry Frankie, Ruby's daughter, called police to alert them that the kids have been left home alone for, I think it was five days. It's happened back in September of 2022. So you have all these people saying these things about Ruby Frankie and doing all these things in light of Ruby Frankie. Here's the part I don't understand I'm bothered by. If all of this was fake, if all of this was lies spread about her, why didn't Ruby Frankie ever file a lawsuit for defamation against anybody? Right. And I never saw that she did. 
Is that not revealing to you? It is. It is. Because you can imagine, Jesse, if you were accused of such a monstrous thing, or if I were, that would be my first inclination. Now, she would probably have to prove actual malice, which, as you know, is is knowledge or, or reckless, uh, extreme recklessness as to the truth. But I think you would take that on, uh, you know, if, if you had been accused of this. So I think it is very telling. And in the case of Johnny Depp, I mean, he he certainly uh, took it on despite all the inherent risks of a defamation case because he needed to clear his name. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you could say, well, maybe, maybe she felt that nobody was believing her. I don't know. The YouTube channel, she stopped posting videos. Um, she was responding to the criticism. So it seemed like people were believing what was being said about her, which, again, raises the question why she didn't take legal action if all of this was fake. And and also, I'll mention, Ben, when she was arrested, when she was taken into custody, she requested a lawyer and did not speak to police. Now, do you find that to be, hey, that was just a smart legal strategy? She shouldn't say anything or is it suspicious? Because again, if she really had nothing to do with this and she's arrested, she could have easily said, wait a second, wait a second. My kids are abused. What are you talking about? Are they okay? She chose not to say anything and lawyered up. Your thoughts? I think it's both. I mean, I think it's both smart legally, but it's also suspect, especially as, as a mother or a parent. I think you would your first concern would be the well-being of the child. And once you were satisfied that your 12-year-old you know, was in safe hands, your concern would be to, you know, to clear your name and to find out exactly what happened. So yes, I do find it suspicious. So it's it's not something that the, the jury will hear. Mm. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something that uh, I, I was talking about how things didn't happen earlier. You know, could it, she have been arrested earlier? Could this have been stopped earlier? And I wanted to ask you about whether the Department of Child and Family Services could be in legal trouble. I mentioned how police were contacted to check in on the Frankies. Uh, police Lieutenant Warren Foster told NBC News that police made several attempts to follow up what was going on. He said that there were inquiries from um, the uh, DCFS. DCFS yielded no results. Apparently, they were called to the House in 2020. You have Representative Christine Watkins, who is a chair of a panel that reviews the DCFS. And they said, and she said, quote, I had concerns when I heard about the case. Not only were neighbors calling, but older siblings were calling, too. It sounds like those kids were in pretty bad shape. And it's certainly something we have the right to call DCFS out on to know what might have gone wrong. We always have this case, this conversation in child abuse cases. Why did not uh, you know the Department of Family of Child Services do more could they be held liable uh, in any way? What do you think? Yes, I, I believe they could be. DCFS will enjoy, and I don't know the particular Utah statute, but they will enjoy some measure of sovereign sovereign immunity, but it's, it, it should not be impossible to sue them. I've had cases where we've sued uh, government entities, state government entities, um, and you have to navigate around the immunity issues. But absolutely, they can be sued. And it sounds like they have a lot to answer for in this case. I mean, just one of the clips showed her on her program saying that she wouldn't feed the children until they completed their chores. Now, again, as a parent, you do want your kids to do their chores. But I I don't I, I think it is wildly inappropriate, if not abusive to withhold breakfast until they've done their chores. I mean, I think there are other 
inducements you can give to your children, but that it certainly dovetails with the allegation that that two of the children at least were emaciated. Yeah, just to follow up on that, I think there was one video where she's telling her son that they would lose the privilege to eat dinner if the child continued play fighting. There's another video where she said that her six-year-old needed to go hungry after forgetting to take her lunch to school. I imagine it's videos like that that could be a key piece of evidence in a future prosecution against her. Um, We talked about her husband, Kevin Frankie. Um, He hasn't been arrested. He hasn't been arrested. He has a lawyer uh, and his lawyer appeared on Good Morning America and claimed that Kevin you know, had no role in the alleged abuse of these children, that Kevin and Ruby have been living separately for 13 months. I'm curious in his position um, what he might be looking out for in terms of comments that are made about him if people are falsely accusing him of, of abuse. But at the same time, I, I wonder if people are thinking, well, if this is a pattern of abuse of these kids that was going on for quite some time, A, would he be a witness or B, could he potentially be criminally charged? And so his position right now, I'm very curious legally, where do you think it stands? Yeah, he is in a, he is in a tricky position. And a lot of it, as you suggested, Jesse, is going to go to the, the physical evidence. I believe with the 12-year-old who escaped through the window and got to the neighbor's, that there was evidence of, uh, there were a lot of sores. And it would be interesting to get the medical reports from the doctors to see whether there are any scars and uh, how they can date back the injuries. Because if the, if there was evidence of physical injuries before the 13 months, you know, beyond the last 13 months, then he's got a lot of explaining to do. You can't let your spouse abuse your children. So, um, and not, again, as you said, we have to be careful. We don't know that that happened. We don't know that the abuse went back further, but that's, that's going to be a crucial issue for the police and will be a crucial uh, issue for him. But no matter what, at a minimum, he is going to be a material witness. It's also hard just from a matter of common sense, although I guess it's not impossible that the, the abuse suddenly started 13 months ago. I mean, and I mean, I'm sure he's seen the children in that time and spoken to Ruby Frankie. And so if he knew something, that's where it, that's where the questions begin. But again, he has not been criminally charged with anything. He is an innocent party at this point. And people, I mean, I guess they're free to speculate, but they have to be careful with what they say about Kevin Frankie. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. They should. And it goes back to, to a larger point you have made is, is that there, not only do you have a presumption of innocence, but we also have a belief in due process in the country. And, and that even, of course, applies to Frankie herself. Although, you know, the, the outburst at the, the arraignment really, you know, suggests a lot of things that aren't 
good for her. But definitely, I think, let it play out. I don't know why people have to necessarily leap to conclusions. Let's, you know, we all saw, you know, the Duke lacrosse case. You know, we've, we've seen a number of instances where allegations are not proven. So I think people should take a deep breath and and let it play out. Let the let the system play out. And there may be there may be other reasons why, you know, the police have have not uh, right. indicted the husband yet. Yeah, no, that's a very very fair point, and I think it's important for people to remember that. Um, look, when we followed your case, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, a, a central theme is well, what is abuse? Um, it's obviously we know that classic definition of physical abuse, but, you know, is there emotional abuse? Is there psychological abuse? And it really became a study in that. So because you are an expert on what this means, I was very curious to your thoughts on the charges here. I did it in a past sidebar. So they're each facing six counts. And the way to summarize it is basically when we talk about aggravated child abuse under Utah law, it's a physical injury that could be torture. That's one charge. Another charge could be any you know, physical injury that results in starvation or malnutrition. There's another one, physical injury that uh, creates a severe emotional harm, a developmental delay, intellectual disability. There's another one where it's physical injury and includes a combination of two or more physical injuries inflicted by the same person, whether at the same time or at a different time. It seems so broad and includes so many different potential acts that they charged Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrand under. What are your thoughts on those? Well, I think you have to make, I think there's a sharp distinction to be made between adults and children. So it's one thing if you were to uh, berate me or, or make horrible statements about me, which I hope you wouldn't. I would never, I would never. I, I have the highest respect for you, but <laughs> that would have one impact, but it's quite another if it's an adult to a child, um, I mean, so a, a physical abuse, everybody would agree, whether it's an adult or a child, that is abuse. That is, and it can be civil and criminal. But when you're talking about a child, uh, berating in a, in a sharp manner strikes me as far more abusive than, a, than an argument between spouses or an argument between partners in a law firm. Uh, you know, things, things can get heated without being abusive. But I, and then you, you, you multiply that by several factors when you're talking about a parent. Uh, something that, that a parent can say to a child has enormous impact. I mean, we've all read stories, you know, of people, and I remember things my parents said to me when I was a child that not abusive, but you, you remember the good and the bad. So I think, I think there's a real scale. And I think all of what has been alleged here would certainly fall into the category of abuse because you're talking about really minor children. Yeah. 12 is really young. Those Ten. kids are not mature emotionally. And 10 and 12, the, the two victims, it's yeah. Just, it, it's, it's beyond belief. And again, you know, going back to the presumption of innocence, she has that, but the allegations here all would seem to justify the six uh, indictments. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you think about it, and you said it, you're dealing with such a defenseless victim, a vulnerable victim who's in the care and the custody of another, and it becomes very tough to defend, which is what I want to end our conversation on. 
potential defenses for Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt, considering that not only the charges that I mentioned would they would be found guilty of if they themselves inflicted this injury, but the statutes also read that if they permitted another to do it, they could be found guilty. So I'm not sure what the defense is. Do they blame each other? Do they say they had no idea what was happening, even though it was in their children were found in Jody's residence? The fact that I believe they published a video two days earlier when they were both there and the children were there. Um, I don't know what a, a potential defense could be for either Frankie or Hildebrandt. What are your thoughts? I, I totally agree. And and to the extent that one of them tries to go down the road, especially uh, Frankie, that, oh, gee, I don't know what was happening at Hildebrandt's house. Well, then there's there's a negligence and abuse right there. I mean, we, we make very careful uh, if someone's looking after our kids or they're going to somebody else's house. We know who they are and we know what's going on and we know their background. So I, I think you're right. I think she's in a real I think Frankie is in a real trick box in terms of defenses and Hildebrand certainly is as well. I, I, I think she may go down the route or they may consider going down the route of some kind of mental defect. Um, maybe maybe arguing something mm. about the breakup of her marriage or the separation. Um, but that goes back to the point of when the abuse began. I don't think most people begin abusing their children just because they get separated or divorced. I mean, <laughs> that wouldn't be an excuse anyway, but yeah. they have to look for something like that because otherwise I think these are just, I think all jurors would really empathize with, with kids at these age. And what really struck me, and I'm sorry for going on too long, is the 12-year-old saying, it was my fault. Mm. I mean, that that almost made me cry when I saw that. I mean, that really shows as much as the injuries, the extent of abuse that this kid had is that somehow he believed that not being fed and, you know, being tied by his, his ankles and his wrists were somehow his fault. And that that's just heartbreaking. The whole case is incredibly heartbreaking to think about, and we're going to probably learn a lot more as it continues through the system. Uh, ben Chu, always great to have you on. Great to see you. And of course, I would never say anything bad about you or a punior character in any which way, sir. So good to and have you on. Thank you very much. That you did, in the unlikely event that you did, I would never bring an action against you. <laughs> good to know. Good to know, but it will never happen. Ben, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse. And that's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. We'll speak to you next time. Thank you.